0: Love, talk, radio.
1: Welcome, one and all, to the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Network. I am your host, Robert Rogers. We are located and housed in Olympia, Washington. Parkinson's Recovery was founded six years ago to provide information, support, and resources to individuals who currently experience the symptoms associated with the diagnosis of Parkinson's disease and their family members. We have created a wealth of resources that are freely available to anyone who's interested in exploring options that can help reverse the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. You can preview many of these free resources by always going to our main website. It's easy to remember. It's recovery dot com. In other words, the key name of what we do. So that's www.parkinsonsrecovery.com. dot Parkinsons combined together with the word recovery.com. And, of course, Parkinson's does not have an apostrophe. On that main website, you'll see links to many of the programs and services that we support and offer. We also have a free newsletter, so you can always find out about our current activities, by signing up for the newsletter, I send out not only news about events and radio shows and blogs and special activities, but also I write about the kinds of discoveries that I've made as a researcher, having now looked at many, many different options that are offering wonderful and exciting opportunities to individuals who are committed to launching on the road to recovery from parkinson's disease i have an exciting show for you the goal of each and every radio show is to provide information ideas tips and suggestions that you can run with that you can say that's something that i can actually try get out a paper and a writing utensil you're going to get some suggestions today that are going to knock your socks off My guest today is the incredible Dr. Kimberly Burnham, who is an integrative medicine specialist who helps a lot of different people, but in particular individuals who happen to currently experience the symptoms that are associated with a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. When you land on Dr. Burnham's website, what you're going to see is something quite fascinating. She's also known internationally as, hold on to your seats, the nerve whisperer. Now, I've had foot whisperers on my show before, but I've never had a nerve whisperer. So what you're about to hear in terms of her comments or suggestions, her perspectives, are going to be truly rich in terms of their perspectives on what individuals can do who currently are on the road to recovery. Kimberly lives in West Hartford, Connecticut, and as well as across the United States and Europe. She tends to skip around and help a lot of different people. She uses integrative medicine, matrix energetics, Integrative Manual Therapy, Acupuncture, and Emotional Freedom Technique, and most interestingly, Sensational Medicine, to be able to do what it is that she does. Dr. Burnham, thank you so much for being on the show today.
0: Oh, Robert, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: Tell us all about yourself.
0: Well, you gave a great introduction. I appreciate that. Um I have uh, as you mentioned uh, an integrative medicine practice which means basically that I use alternative medicine and I turn, tend to be very alternative in some of the ways of of thinking about um how I can help people with brain and uh, spinal cord and nerve related problems and this summer Uh, I think we'll get into this a little bit, but this summer I'm going to be riding my bicycle from Seattle to Washington, D.C., 3,300 miles, raising money for sustainability and healthy eating and the effect of what we eat on our health. I'm going to be talking to a lot of people along the way about that.
1: Those of you who are listening from other countries, you may not know where Seattle is on the geographical map. So just for further information, Dr. Burnham is going to be traveling from the west coast of the United States. Seattle is right on literally the almost the edge of the west coast all the way across the United States to the East Coast. Washington, D.C. is on the East Coast, so it's going to be quite a magnificent and challenge challenging journey for you. And I think a lot of people, as we'll soon discover, will have an opportunity to connect with you as you go through your trip. What is your background with regard to Parkinson's? In uh,
0: 2006, I completed a Ph.D. dissertation, and the topic was Uh, alleviation of the symptoms of Parkinson's using integrative manual therapy and alternative medicine. And in my dissertation, I worked with, I did a lot of research on alternative ways of working with the symptoms of Parkinson's, and I worked with uh, a man using 60 hours of hands-on treatment um, and, according to his neurologist, he improved twelve to fifteen percent, depending on you know what scale you looked at and exactly what symptoms and His back pain in particular, he went from a seven out of ten back and hip pain to two out of ten, and all of this took place in a period of two and a half weeks
1: that's amazing. <laughs> So a lot of people have this uh, idea or this belief that what's going to happen over time is that symptoms are going to get worse. Your experience in doing this particular therapy and treatment was that this particular subject uh, got a lot better.
0: Yes, and I should mention he got a lot, a lot of treatment. He got 60 hours of treatment. That's that's pretty much like a full-time job for the two-and-a-half weeks that I worked with him and other therapists uh, working alongside me with the during those 60 hours and it's not the way that I would necessarily recommend that people get treatment but for my dissertation I wanted to make sure that no one could say well these things it goes up and down sometimes maybe it's not really the treatment because the only thing that changed was the treatment and it was in such a short period of time, I think those results are attributable to the work that myself and my colleagues um, did as part of my dissertation.
1: Well, what an eloquent study design. Do you have any family members who have Parkinson's?
0: My uncle has park- had Parkinson's. He unfortunately passed away. And my father... He's from time to time had slight tremors the the brother of so my father is is the brother of my uncle who passed away with parkinson's and so my father from time to time he has some symptoms um but has never been diagnosed
1: now you are talking about something called sensational medicine on your website tell everybody what that is
0: Yes, sensational medicine is really kind of what it says, sensation. It's, It's using sensation as a healing modality. And what I mean by that is we take in information all the time, through our eyes, through our ears, our sense of taste and smell, and certainly our sense of touch. We even have sense Organs or nerve endings inside of our body that are taking in information or sensation of pressure or of um, pain would be a sensation um but what I'm finding is that if we pay attention to how we're taking this information in that we can literally affect our ability to heal and sensation, it it comes from our body, from our nerve endings in our hands, in our eyes, ears, but all of that information is going to the brain. And there's getting to be more and more information that or research that says that information going into our brain affects literally the substrate or the tissue of the brain. And I've been finding that uh, that can improve symptoms certainly quite a bit, but also really improve the trajectory of brain health so that the person um, can recover from conditions which in the past we haven't ever talked about in terms of recovery. Um, Like we typically don't talk about Parkinson's in terms of recovery, or at least the medical system doesn't, but I think so much research is coming up today to say that we can eliminate the symptoms, and that, for me, is what recovery is all about.
1: I think everybody's on the edge of their seat, since this sounds quite fascinating. Can you give us some concrete examples?
0: Well, one example uh, in relationship to Parkinson's, you may know about this research, that Um, someone who isn't really able to initiate movement um, to get up from a chair, to take that first step, that that's become difficult for them to do with the Parkinson's, that if you take a flashlight and shine a light um, out in front of them and say, okay, take a step towards the light, that initiating that movement becomes much easier. And this is pretty mainstream in terms of medical research, that cueing with visual cues, especially light or certain patterns. You know, there was the the movie Awakening, and depending on the pattern of the floor, the black-white, black-white alternation um, of the squares, that pattern made it easier for people to get started and then once they're started you know they can continue that motion but getting started can sometimes be difficult and so holding out a light and and trying to step to the light and then as you step forward then you move the light forward so that you're you really get your movement going
1: so this could be held by a family member or a spouse or by the individual themselves
0: yes And there are even some glasses uh, where the light is, it really just shines on the inside of the lens of the glasses so that it looks like it's on the floor, right? You're looking through the glasses and you see this little line of light um, so that it looks like it's on the floor. But you can do it even just with a little pen light uh, and, and cue yourself and walk forward uh, with that. And you can use a, a red LED light. You know, obviously, if it's if it's light outside, um, a, a regular flashlight isn't going to show up as well. But you can do it with a LED, a little red light as well.
1: I'm sure lots of people are going to be buying LED lights now <laughs> so that they can yes. jumpstart their ability to uh, run marathons in the future. So, other examples.
0: Yes, there's a a fascinating uh, video on TED Talks by uh, Harvard Business Professor Amy Cuddy, and she really is talking about how to be more outgoing, more participatory in business classes, and that's really her focus. But one of the things that she talks about is the effect of posture on brain chemistry and on hormones. And what she found in her research was that sitting in an open posture or standing in what she calls Wonder Woman or Superman posture, you know, you can imagine um, standing kind of chest out, head up, hands on your hips, feet apart, right, that very powerful position. In fact, she calls it power posing, that they, they looked at this and literally two minutes in this posture changes cortisol levels and testosterone levels. Testosterone, the hormone or brain chemical that helps us to feel powerful. Cortisol, when cortisol levels are too high, we feel stressed. So the lower the cortisol levels, the less stressed we feel, and the higher the testosterone levels the more able we are to meet the challenges in our life so one of the things that i've been recommending to my clients as i work with them one on one is to to stand in this posture or even sitting in this posture like the wonder woman or superman posture for 2 minutes first thing in the morning or in the evening Really, any time during the day when you feel like you 'd like to to get your system more balanced out, and this I find is is really beneficial for anyone um, if there 's any implication of digestive problems, doing this posture for two minutes before you eat can be very beneficial. I had a nutrition teacher who used to say you can get better nutrition from a hot dog with friends than from an organic gourmet meal with people that you hate. right? That, that stress really influences how we're able to take in those nutrients that we need for healing.
1: We'll be right back with Kimberly Burnham after this short station break. I'm Robert Rogers from Parkinson's Recovery, and I am your host on the Parkinson's Recovery radio show. My guest today is the nerve whisperer, Dr. Kimberly Burnham. Another guest that's been on my radio show also offers remarkable suggestions that pertain to posture. He's physical therapist Kevin Lockett from the wonderful state of Hawaii. You can scroll back on the radio page. Now it has to be about three years to locate my radio show with Kevin Lockett. He also talks about the Superman pose and offers additional suggestions from the perspective of a physical therapist that are really quite remarkable and that have had profound impacts on persons currently experiencing the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. Kevin has 25 years experience working specifically with persons who currently experience Parkinson's symptoms. You can also see a video of Kevin's remarkable presentation at the Santa Fe Parkinson's Recovery Summit in February of 2013. You can uh, get more information about that DVD by going to the Summit website, which is dot parkinsonsrecovery.com or as I mentioned at the outset of the show, you can get links to all of the many websites that are sponsored and supported and subsidized by Parkinson's Recovery by going to the main website parkinsonsrecovery.com and you'll see a link there to the Summit website. And now back to my interview with Dr. Kimberly Burnham, the foot whisperer. Dr. Burnham, so tell us more about some concrete examples uh, that are related to sensational medicine.
0: There's more research that ties things together, So, but one of the things that obviously we're concerned with is where the brain has been injured or damaged or has some kind of problem and how to help support that healing and one of the examples is the frontal lobe our frontal lobe is just behind our forehead and is really the cognitive center of our brain it's it's the part of our brain that helps us to think clearly to have that clarity of of mind to be able to focus on what we're doing um, and to to really think clearly about things. And frontal lobe function has also been correlated with caring and creativity. And what I mean by this is if you imagine a triangle and one point is caring, one point is creativity, and the other point is frontal lobe function or good mental functioning, then there are things that you can do Uh, through nutrition, through alternative medicine treatments, to improve the actual brain substrate, but you can also, by increasing the level of caring or creativity, you're having an impact on frontal lobe function as well. So that if you uh, want to be able to think more clearly, to be able to focus better on your activities, to to read with better comprehension, for example. One of the ways that you can do it is increase the level of caring in your life. For example, uh, having a pet, right? If you have a pet, you have to care for that pet. And also um, you bond with that pet. And so that's a level of caring. Or uh, volunteering. There are lots of opportunities for people to volunteer where essentially you're in a situation where, as a volunteer, you're caring for someone. You're taking care of them, you're helping them, um, you're doing things for them. You're expressing caring. And by caring more or putting yourself in a situation where you have an attitude of caring, you're going to improve your frontal lobe function, literally the brain function, as well as increase your creativity. The other way to go into it is through the doorway of creativity, so that if you do things that are more creative, that also improves your ability to care and your, ability, your frontal lobe function. So creativity, what are some ways that, that we can be more creative, uh, even in cooking, for example, to every week decide that you're going to make two new recipes, two new things that you've never done before, and and cook more creatively, or create a piece of artwork, or even go to a museum and think about, people who are creative and put yourself in their place and think, okay, do I really enjoy this painting or not? What is it that's, that's creative about this painting? Um, there are lots of ways that you can bring more creativity into your life and that through that doorway you increase your caring as well as frontal lobe function. By the same token, there's some some research to indicate that the basal ganglia can also be affected, and you may know that the basal ganglia is very important in terms of Parkinson's because we know that in the brainstem, the substantia nigra, which is a, part, a little part of the brainstem, is where dopamine is produced. But it, that dopamine, it travels to the basal ganglia, and all of us would have tremors if that dopamine didn't inhibit the tremors by the way that it affects the basal ganglia. Now, how? so we want good basal ganglia function so that we have good balance, so that we have good voluntary control over our muscles, good communication between our brain and our muscles. Those are all things that the basal ganglia plays a, an important role in. Another role, interestingly enough, another role of the basal ganglia is in our ability to perceive disgust. And it might seem kind of funny. I mean, at the beginning I told you that I kind of run to the alternative um, but it might be kind of funny to say to someone, "Do disgust exercises <laughs> exercise that ability to be disgusted, but in the same way as caring creativity and the frontal lobe are linked, disgust and the basal ganglia are linked and so one of the the exercises that I give to people when i'm if I'm talking to a group, for example where they want to have better communication between their brain and their muscles or better balance Um i say every day just for a few minutes two minutes think about some disgusting food i usually encourage them think about food rather than anything else but. I have one client who was uh, talking to me, and she goes, oh, I know what I can think about. She said, when I was in elementary school, there were some girls in my class that would bring tongue sandwiches. <laughs> and that was like the most disgusting thing that she could think of. Um, I've I've traveled extensively. I grew up overseas. And so I really, there's a lot of things that I can think of uh, disgusting food Uh, there's there's a a food in in japan where i lived for about four years that's called natto and natto is fermented soybeans and imagine beans that are kind of slimy and when you lift up the fork there's like these little strings of (laughs) gooey stuff and the smell. Oh, I mean, that's the pretty smell disgusting. Is unbelievably <laughs> disgusting. But the really funny thing about natto, it it actually is quite healthy for you. But in Japan, there's nobody that says, "Yeah, natto. I could eat it. That would be fine." Or not. I don't really mind either way. No, there are people that say natto. That's my favorite favorite food. And there are people that say the most disgusting food on earth. Which really brings me to the point that disgust is a very personal thing. If you think about what your favorite food is and what foods you think are disgusting, it's not going to be the same for any two people, right? Right. And, And then you can also think about what? Why is it that disgust is important to be able to experience that? And it really goes back to um, when we lived in communities and ate communally. If, so, if we saw somebody and they took a bite or something and, and made a face like, oh, that's disgusting, it was a warning to us that we shouldn't eat that food. And it really... Prevents you from getting food poisoning, and I think today, maybe not so much because our food practices are quite different but um, but socially being able to recognize when your behavior is something that other people find disgusting there there can be all kinds of ramifications of being able to perceive the expressions in other people's faces and that really go to how safe are we in the world. And of course, disgust, the gust of disgust comes also from the word gustatory or digestive. So it's all tied up in there. But anyway, that that's a way in which how we take in information, right? When I look at not though I, I think it's disgusting someone else not so much but um but that is is also influencing the pathway and how well the basal ganglia is functioning
1: Many listeners have the idea that brain health is contingent on very sophisticated and expensive treatments and supplements. You've got some suggestions here that don't cost a thing, and it sounds like they really yield incredible outcomes.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, there's also lots of research to say that doing something new so that if you've never done any of these exercises – Doing something new, just the newness of it improves brain health. You know, you've you've probably heard that saying you can't teach an old dog new tricks. But <laughs> you know the second part? The fastest way to become an old dog?
1: Oh. That's Stop great. learning new tricks. That's great. <laughs> I love it. You know,
0: so so hopefully I'm sharing some new tricks that just that alone, just doing something new um encourages brain health.
1: So it sounds to me like uh I uh have had this belief that when I'm caring for another person or doing something that is caring, I'm really just helping them. You know, this is my quote community service. What you're saying is, well, that's certainly true, but I'm also getting a huge benefit myself.
0: Yes, absolutely. And and there's so much about empathy and that caring that, yes, you're doing something for someone else, and they're benefiting, but you're also benefiting, absolutely.
1: What I've also learned from you just now is that I oftentimes stop myself when I see something disgusting, and I think to myself, oh, I shouldn't really dwell on that uh, that's such yucky kind of energy. But what you're saying is if I see or feel something really disgusting, there's a benefit to kind of hanging with that for just a minute in that I'm going to actually improve my brain health.
0: Right, and you could think about it just having more awareness. What is it that you find disgusting about it? Um, you know, and that's why I encourage people to think about foods rather than uh, other Kinds of things, but um, because we label all kinds of things as disgusting, um, but uh, with food, it, it's kind of a safe area to to just wallow in it for a few minutes
1: uh, right? and to get some benefit as well. What about bicycling? Bicycling? Now you're about to venture on a big bicycling trip. Uh, does that benefit people who currently experience Parkinson's symptoms?
0: I am, and there there's research that. Um, there 's not a lot i haven 't found a lot, but there 's starting to be more and more implication that bicycling is beneficial for parkinson 's and one of the one of the studies that I saw what the person did was they the person with parkinson 's rode on the back of a tandem bicycle and then someone else was on the front and the implication is that the benefit comes from moving the legs, what's called reciprocally, where one side goes down and the other side comes up. So each leg is doing the opposite of of the other leg. And that even if you just, um, you know, strapped the, your feet to the paddles and didn't actually paddle, but the other, you know, the pedals on the back of a tandem bike go whether anybody's pushing them or not because they're tied to the to the front. Um, but th- that movement uh, sends signals to the brain that help to get a better connection between the right and left side of the brain. And what they're seeing with Parkinson's is that A., Uh, Someone who has lost the ability to walk can still bicycle, that you lose the ability to bicycle after you've lost the ability to walk. And I think sometimes you see somebody who's not walking and you just assume that they wouldn't be able to ride a bicycle, but that, in fact, isn't true. And then the other way is that... um, after somebody's been bicycling for a period of time, you know, half an hour, an hour, um, they get off the bike and their walking is better than it was before they got on the bike. So just doing that motion, and I don't think there's any implication that it has to be on an actual bicycle, could be on um, uh, an indoor Uh, Bicycle, or even now they have these what are really just pedals and the person sits in a regular chair and then there are these pedals that you push, but the motion is very much like a bicycling motion.
1: That, it seems, would be an excellent possibility for a person who may even currently be wheelchair-bound. Right, right and so
0: several ways that you can do it so that if the person doesn't really have leg strength um there are bicycles that uh, were pedals where they just sit in a chair and then there's a strap that goes over the top of each foot and then the pedals move by themselves kind of like a player piano The the pedals move by themselves and the person's legs move by themselves. And so someone who's really debilitated, that might be the way to start. Someone who still has some strength in their legs, um, they might be able to start on an indoor bicycle uh, with that.
1: We'll be right back with Dr. Kimberly Burnham after this short station break. I am your host, Robert Rogers, and this is the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Show. Inventor Adrian Geiger and physical therapist Ed Gray were both presenters at the Santa Fe Parkinson's Recovery Summit in February of 2013. Adrian Geiger has invented the most amazing upside-down bicycle That people who attended the summit experienced throughout the summit. Many of them actually went on this particular new physical therapeutic invention uh, for three or four or five times over the course of the four-day summit and found it it, it yielded remarkable outcomes in terms of reducing symptoms. You can get further information about the Geiger MD, which is something that uh, you typically are going to find in a physical therapist office by visiting the summit Website, which is www.summit. Parkinson's There is a DVD of Ed Gray's remarkable presentation at the summit where he explains why this up side-down bicycle is providing so much sustained relief for individuals who currently experience Parkinson's symptoms. There are more and more Geiger MDs that are being uh, located in various places across the United States and Europe. There are four in Ed Gray's Uh, clinics in Boca Raton, Florida, and now I believe there's going to be one in Los Angeles uh, and, and some other large cities in the United States. So it's a remarkable invention that is yielding wonderful results for people. Know that there are many options that are helping people get sustained relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's, and that is the whole goal and mission of Parkinson's recovery, to document those options so that you will know the many possibilities that exist today that are helping people find sustained relief from whatever neurological symptoms they may currently experience. And now back to my interview with NERF whisperer, Kimberly Burnham. Dr. Burnham, what exercise would you recommend for balancing dopamine levels?
0: Right. So earlier we talked about Amy Cuddy's research and how posture, the Wonder Woman or Superman posture can balance cortisol levels and testosterone levels. And I started to think about this and think about what posture or what movement would help to balance dopamine levels in the same way that that Wonder Woman posture balances cortisol or testosterone levels. And what seems to be working for my clients is what I call long-striding and so there's a consciousness about taking a long step. And the reason that I think that this works is that one of the symptoms of a decrease in dopamine is a shortening of steps, um, the, the shuffling gait, as it's characterized often in Parkinson's. And what it is is it's that shortening of the distance between your feet as you're walking. And what I found in my dissertation study was that the the client that I was working with improved his stride length um, or the distance between his feet as he walked um, 10 to 15 percent uh during that uh two and a half week period. And the other thing that I noticed even in myself is when I consciously try to walk uh with very long strides, I find myself often kind of pulled forward so that I'm kind of flexed at the hips. And this is another posture that I've noticed in people with par- Parkinson's often I call it jackknifed at the hip, where it's not shoulders rounded forward, but it's more like the the back or the the abdomen is is flexed forward right there at the hips. And even myself, as as I'm walking and taking consciously taking very long steps, I find myself pulled forward into that. Parkinson's-like posture, and I think that probably many people could benefit from having better dopamine levels, and certainly this exercise of consciously taking as long a steps as you can, um, just, you know, for a few steps. I'm not saying, you know, walk around all the time doing this, but taking those long steps... uh, With that element of consciousness, you're really connecting up your brain with your body. And if you're walking as if you don't have Parkinson's, I think it influences the symptoms that you have so that you have fewer symptoms.
1: This sounds similar to the game I used to play when I was a child called Giant Steps. Right, what if a person can't do long striding or play the game of giant steps? What's the alternative?
0: Right. Um, so one of the other things that's been associated with with movement and improvement in skill is visualization. So that uh, it, the research implies that if you have a, two basketball players. They both break their arm, and one of them just gets his arm casted and sits at home for six weeks and doesn't do anything. And the other one gets his arm casted and sits at home, but during those six weeks of recovery, he visualizes himself shooting the basket and, you know, watches the ball leave his fingertips, and sink in, you know, swish, here's the swish of the net, all through visualization, what they find is that person who did the visualization, when they can physically go back to the activity, their skill level hasn't decreased in the same way as the person who just did nothing while they were while the broken bone was healing. And I found the same with... Uh, brain problems that visualization can be very powerful and so if you can't do the giant walking uh, giant steps or even if you can't um, do the, the Wonder Woman or Superman posture closing your eyes and really visualizing it in as sensory a way as possible and what I mean by that is if you close your eyes, and you can do this just right now, close your eyes and just imagine yourself taking a long step. And with your mind's eye, look down and look. How, what's the distance? You know, Is it two feet? Is it ten feet? What's that distance? Um, what does the ground feel like on, your, on the bottom of your foot? Are you wearing shoes or just socks or are you barefoot? Are you outside walking on the grass? Are you walking on a wood floor with shoes? You know, really imagine, visualize all of those details. Because that's the other thing. There was a study done a few years ago where they put people in an MRI and um, first they, they had the person hold an apple in their hand and look at the apple and just look at the color and the shape and feel it with their hand. And while they were in the MRI, they were looking at what was happening in their brain as they did that. And then they took the apple away and said to the person, close your eyes and visualize the apple. And what they found was that lit up the same areas of the brain as actually holding the apple. So that to our brain, it seems it doesn't so much matter whether it's real or whether it's visualized in terms of the impact. And so if you have someone who literally can't do the movement, there's benefit in visualizing, but in as sensory a terms as possible, you know, feeling which muscles would be contracting as you take that step. What does your heel feel like as you take that step? Is there any kind of pressure on the tops of your toes as you take that step? Are your is one arm swinging forward? And what should be happening is when your left leg goes forward, your right arm goes forward, right? The the arms and the legs move in opposite ways as we walk typically.
1: You have a book that I have been able to locate about Parkinson's disease, which I believe has some of these suggestions and many others. Tell everybody about that.
0: Yes, it's available as an e-book on Amazon, and you can just look up my name, Kimberly Burnham, and Parkinson's disease, and you'll easily find the book. And there are a lot of these kinds of exercises and many more in there, And it's really a discussion and step-by-step exercises of all the things that I have shared with my clients over the years um, that, that they've found helpful in decreasing their symptoms.
1: And the title of that book is Parkinson's Disease, Walk Better, Sleep Deeper, and Move Consciously, Solutions from Nature's Sensational Medicine. You can also acquire uh, information about the book by simply clicking on the link on the show page. That will take you to Amazon, and you'll be able to get additional information and acquire Dr. Burnham's book that way. Now, what about other things listeners might be able to do at home for themselves?
0: There's another exercise that I've found um, seems to be related to balancing dopamine levels. And that for that, we venture into the arena of traditional Chinese medicine. In traditional Chinese medicine, the gallbladder meridian is associated with a number of things, um, including the color green. It's associated with the side of the eye. And so just tapping on the side of the eye can stimulate the gallbladder meridian, and it's on both sides. Uh, Visualizing the color green can uh, support gallbladder health. Now, you might be wondering, what does the gallbladder have to do with dopamine? Um, What I've found is that, that dopamine levels seem to be associated with the gallbladder meridian, which not only is it at the side of the eyes, but it runs down the side of the leg, and gallbladder is one of, in traditional Chinese medicine, the elements called the wood element, and it's characterized when there's a gallbladder meridian problem by a, a woody kind of feel to the to the limbs, to the legs particularly, and. I think that that's what we're seeing in uh, things like Parkinson's, where the muscles, there's a stiffness, there's a lack of responsiveness. And so what I found is that working on the gallbladder meridian with acupressure or pressure along the sides of the legs, tapping on the side of the eye, as well as doing these visualizations, helps to take some of that woodiness or that stiffness, uh, particularly morning stiffness, out of the system. The gallbladder meridian is also associated with the evening. Um, 11 p.m. to 1 p.m. is when the gallbladder meridian is considered most uh, active. And so if you think about um doing some of these exercises in the evening before you go to sleep i think you'll find that some of that stiffness in the morning is lessened so that you're able to get up and really this this is good for anyone um especially anyone who morning is is a difficult time for them you know popping out of bed isn't what they do Um, doing a visualization around the gallbladder meridian, as I said, the color green. Uh, One exercise that you can do is when you're going somewhere, whether you're driving or a passenger in the car, look out and notice, maybe even count, how many different shades of green do you see or how many different things other than plants Do you see that are green are there any green houses are there any green lights any green signs any birds with green on them you know anything like that and really just consciously look for what is around you that's green the other thing that you can do is wear green pants and then feel does that feel anything any different does that change anything
1: when you say tapping, then this is a simple suggestion to take—I guess—my finger or fingers, place them on the side of my eye, and then just gently tap for—is it a 15 seconds, or 30, or a minute or so? Yeah, just
0: 15 seconds, just uh, tapping a little bit, and just notice um, what changes with that. Notice the sensation. Notice how do your fingertips feel? How does the side of your eye feel? And I'm suggesting very gentle pressure, so you're not like really hitting yourself. You're just very lightly using two fingers maybe um, to uh, gently touch on and off uh, the side of the eye. And along the side of the leg, where the, the gallbladder meridian also runs, you can just press, and if you find anywhere that's a little bit sore, Just massage it a little bit um, can be helpful.
1: This is something then that people can do for themselves. They don't have to go to a healthcare practitioner and get them to do it for them.
0: Right, you can do it both ways. You could go and get a massage, or get acupressure, or go for acupuncture. Um, Emotional Freedom Technique uses a lot of the tapping. You know, So there's, there are practitioners, certainly, that you can go to, but all of these things are things that you can um, do for yourself at home.
1: We'll be right back with Dr. Kimberly Burnham after this short station break. I'm Robert Rogers, host of the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Show. Many of you have likely heard about horse whisperers, especially if you've seen the Robert Redford movie entitled Horse Whisperer. This is probably your first connection with an individual who is a nerve whisperer. I've also had another whisperer on my radio show, Randy Eady, who's internationally known as the Foot whisperer. You can hear my interview with Randy here on the radio show page, but you'll have to scroll back several years. You can also see a video of Randy Eady's amazing presentation. He was one of the 19 different presenters at the Parkinson's Recovery Summit in Santa Fe, New Mexico, February of 2013. You can see what the what, it, what topics he discussed at the Santa Fe Summit and also acquire an actual video DVD of his presentation. You can see that by visiting the Summit website, which is recovery. Dot com. In addition to Randy Eady's presentation, you'll also see descriptions of the 18 other presentations that were given at the summit, which offered many, many different options that are helping individuals reverse the symptoms they currently experience. And now back to nerve whisperer, Dr. Kimberly Burnham. Are there any particular foods that, from your experience, are helpful for persons who currently experience Parkinson's symptoms?
0: Right. Um, So as I mentioned earlier, that uh, Wonder Woman or Superman posture, doing that for two minutes before you eat really calms your system so that you really can get into that mode where you're digesting your food. But, of course, there are specific foods that seem to be helpful. One of the ones that I like the best is cashews. Now, of course, use common sense, and obviously if you're allergic to cashews or tree nuts, um, don't do this. But um, if if you like cashews, they can be a great uh, thing for people with Parkinson's. Uh, number one, cashews are very high in iron. And iron is a precursor of dopamine. And so having enough natural iron, you know, dietary iron in your system can make it easier for your body to produce dopamine. It can also be make it easier for your body to produce red blood cells, which are, of course, important in carrying oxygen so that... Um, Breathing, you're taking in oxygen, but more of your oxygen gets to your brain, and that can have a very healing effect. Cashews also have uh, good fats in them, and fat uh, very important in terms of the nervous system, because it forms that layer around the nerves to help with conduction. And the the final thing, of course, cashews high in protein. And protein, uh, obviously a a building block that's important in our bodies, uh, also supports the liver. You know, having a good protein supports the liver, and um, your liver helps to detoxify or eliminate those irritants that might be irritating the brain and the nervous system. Now there are lots of ways that you can um eat cashews. The way that I recommend is just uh maybe a handful uh every day and if you want to sleep better, um eating them at night uh can be a good thing um in the evening, you know, just before you brush your teeth, uh eating them can be a good thing. Um, I also recommend that you prepare them in a specific way. And if you want really the details, if you look up um, a book uh, by Sally Fallon called mm-hmm. Nourishing Tradition, she goes through all different nuts and how to to prepare them in a way that makes them especially helpful. But what you do in general with cashews is you buy the raw cashews, which aren't truly raw, but anyway, um, you buy the raw cashews and then you soak them for about six hours with just water and a little bit of salt. And then you um, take them out of the water, put them on a, a cookie sheet, and you bake them for 12 to 24 hours. Basically until they're really crispy the way that you want them in a very low heat oven, like 200 to 250 degrees. And what this does is it eliminates a or neutralizes an oil in the nuts that um make them harder to digest. So by by soaking them and then roasting them um, you eliminate some of the the natural chemicals in the nuts that, uh, and by doing that you make it easier to digest them and absorb the, the nutrients in them. And one way to think about it is that a nut out in the wild falls from the tree and if it's very dry, it's not beneficial if that nut sprouts and starts growing, right? And so nuts have preservatives essentially in them that don't aren't eliminated or released until that nut is soaked. Because, you know, if it rains, then that provides a time when it's good for that nut to sprout and grow into a a tree. And so that same preservative that prevents nuts from from growing unless there's enough water for them to survive, um, that same preservative makes it more difficult for us to digest them. And so by soaking them and then roasting them, uh, you just get a better benefit from the cashews themselves.
1: It sounds healthy as well as totally yummy to me.
0: And, yes, super tasty, super tasty.
1: Tell us all about your bicycle trip that you're about to launch here in the next week.
0: I know. I'm so excited because uh, it's it's coming right up June 13th. We, we set off, we start, and I'm going to be riding with a group. It's fortunately for me a supported ride. The group is called Hazone which means vision in Hebrew, and we're riding across the United States to raise awareness and to raise money for sustainable agriculture. One of the things that Hazon does is helps people to connect with where does your food come from. and. You know, the the more local your food is, the more you know where your food came from. I think the the better we make choices around what kind of food to eat. And one of the other things that we talk about a lot is um, food deserts. There are so many places in the United States, and I'm sure other countries as well, where there are no grocery stores within walking distance of the person's home and so if they want to buy an apple or a head of lettuce the really their only option is to buy it from the little market at the gas station store and that really doesn't encourage healthy eating one of the, the problems that we face in this country is that there are roughly the same number of people who are obese as who have food insecurity. And food insecurity means the person doesn't know where their next meal will come from. And 18 million people have diabetes. And all of this, you know, it's all of these can be addressed, I believe, by really knowing where our food comes from, making more fresh fruits and vegetables available to people locally at a reasonable rate. And so those are the kinds of things that I'm going to be talking to people about as I ride uh, across the country. It's going to be a a big challenge, too, because our average day will be 68 miles. Wow. (laughs) And so... You know, it's it's going to be challenging, and I think it's going to be just amazing in terms of the opportunity to see the United States. I mean, I just feel so lucky to, to live in such a beautiful country, and, you know, bicycling is, is an amazing way to see the country.
1: Do you have talks that are scheduled in the various places you'll be stopping as you travel from west to east?
0: I there I will be talking to um different groups and if someone wanted to uh talk to me if they're on my route I'm obviously it's 3300 miles so I'm not going to be going out of my way very much <laughs>
1: I wouldn't think so <laughs> um,
0: But uh if if people are on the route and wanted to talk to me or if um you know somebody wanted to have me on their radio show or have me talk to to their group via Skype or something like that. I'm happy to do that as well. And you can follow you can get all the information um about uh, the route, which is mostly a northern route. We're going pretty much straight across the country from Seattle on the West Coast to Minneapolis, which is the Great Lakes area, and then south to Chicago. Pittsburgh and then Washington D.C., mm-hmm. um, but you can get all the information on my website, KimberlyBurnhamPhD.com. There's a, a link there, and it says Zone Cycling, and that will take you to a page where it has all the information about the ride, our our route, and and what we're doing. One of the things, we're going to be doing some uh, volunteering. There will be a few days off of the bike where one of them I'm looking forward to. We're going to be working in a bicycle shop where they take in bicycles that have been trashed and they rehab them and uh, donate them or give them out to children in the neighborhood. And so there are lots of things like that that we're going to be doing
1: as well. There's a link to Dr. Burnham's website on the show page but for those of you who are listening who don't have access to that, her website is www and now I'm going to spell it. It's K I M B E R L Y B U R N H. A-M-P-H-D dot C-O-M. And to say that again, it's com. How can people get in touch with you if you, they'd like to uh, make an appointment with you?
0: Right. That on my website as well, I can be reached at uh, on my phone, 860 221 And I will be carrying that phone with me, my portable office, if you will. Um, or they can reach me uh, at my email, theburnhamreview at com.
1: And could you spell that for people, please?
0: Okay, T-H-E-B-U-R-N-H-A-M, Review, R-E-B-I-E-W, at Juno, J-U-N-O, dot com, C-O-M.
1: There are listeners, Dr. Burnham, who have the idea that it's going to require quite a bit of money and resources to be able to get some relief from their symptoms, but you very clearly demonstrated during this particular interview that there are many things that can be initiated by an individual that can make a huge difference. Your suggestions are quite exciting indeed. Thank you so much for taking the time to tell everyone about them.
0: Oh you're so welcome and my book is it's less than 10 dollars uh, online so that that would be another very low low expense uh,
1: to incur
0: option, uh, for people.
1: And I want to suggest to those of you listening what a wonderful investment for a support group to make. You could actually purchase the book and then every every month that you met in your support group you could focus on just one suggestion that she makes in her book as a positive way of finding relief from your symptoms. Well, Kimberly Burnham, thank you so much for being a guest on the Parkinson's Recovery radio show today. It's been such a pleasure, Robert. Thank you. Know, then, that there are many, many different options that are helping people reverse symptoms that are associated with the diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. To see a preview of many of these exciting options, I want to invite everyone to visit the Summit website. That's www.summit.parkinsonsrecovery.com. 19 remarkable individuals assembled in Santa Fe, New Mexico, to give presentations about the many different approaches that they find are helping people reverse their symptoms. You can preview the many exciting individuals that presented at the summit. Each of those individuals has a radio show, so you can bounce back here to the radio show page and scroll back to listen to their radio show. Alternatively, you can purchase a video DVD that was made at their actual presentation at the summit. Please be aware that I've been airing this radio show now for four years, so that when you scroll down the radio show page, you're only looking at the last three months of shows. You have to scroll back page after page to locate some of the shows uh, that were Uh, uh, that I hosted of individuals who actually presented at the summit. Amazing possibilities exist out there. Some of them, of course, do cost a little. Many of them are absolutely free, as the foot whisperer, Dr. Kimberly Burnham, has well illustrated for us today. I'm Robert Rogers, your host of the Parkinson's Recovery radio show. To learn about the updates of everything that we're doing here at Parkinson's Recovery, sign up for our free newsletter. You can do that easily by simply entering your email through the main website. That's parkinsonsrecovery.com. Know that your email is protected and safe. I do not give those emails out to any individual or organization for any reason.
0: And that's
1: what's happening on the shores of the Puget Sound, where all the women are smart, all the the men are handsome, and all the children are truly loved. Know, too, that by listening to this radio show today, that you indeed are on the road to recovery. May you have a magnificent week.